One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 32 of the 17-18 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up on the show... In the week where Liverpool and Man City start their Champions League quarter of final clash, they've got big games in the Premier League to get through for the Reds. They're looking to continue their charge to next season's Champions League away at Palace, while City can win the Premier League next week. But they've got to beat Everton this week in order to beat United and be crowned champions in seven days from Saturday. We'll also talk about what's happening down the bottom as well. Southampton could climb out, West Ham could drop in, and a West Brom gone yet? We'll let you know. This week, next week, at some point, they've got no chance. And he does, and surely that's the precious three points for West Ham United. Beautiful ball on Fasana inside the area for number three. Wonderful, wonderful Manchester City goal. Stanislas is going to go for the corner, and surely now West Bromwich Albion are crushing out of the Premier League. Chance for Mounier, and he scores for Huddersfield. Here's Lukaku trying to get into the area, has gone into the area, and then shoots high into the net in front of the Stratford end. Here's William for Chelsea finds. Pedro at the edge of the area, number three, they are running riot, Son makes it four for Tottenham, and Mike van der Horn puts clear water between Swansea City and West Ham United. It's the magnificent Mo Show here at Anfield. Coming up this weekend in the Premier League, we start at 12.30 UK time with Crystal Palace up against Liverpool across the three o'clock UK time games. It's Brighton against Leicester. Manchester United take on Swansea. Newcastle, Huddersfield, big game down the bottom. Watford against Bournemouth, maybe the first game of the season that means absolutely nothing. Uh, West Brom, Burnley and West Ham, Southampton as well. The late game on Saturday is Everton against Man City. On Sunday, Arsenal against Stoke. And then... One of those games that Spurs just continue to not be able to win. Lineker and all that the last time it happened. It's Chelsea and Tottenham, the last game of Saturday and Sunday's action. David Walker, TalkSport's football editor, is with me. And the international break is over. That's good news, right? It is good news, but I enjoyed it more than I have done in really? previous seasons. Was the week off? Go no, to beach. no, no, no. I was at Wembley on Tuesday for the game against Italy, England against Italy. Um, I just felt that it was a nice... We've had the, it was a nice little pause, a nice breather, and now we're ready. Now we're ready for the the business it, end of the season. It just annoyed me, uh, a because Gareth Southgate always annoys me because he looks like a geography teacher who's wandered into the job. It's like the film. No, being he doesn't. There. He it doesn't does. look like a geography teacher. Exactly, My geography teachers didn't look anything like Gareth. Southgate. Well, what did they look like then? They didn't have anywhere have near as nice a suit as Gareth Southgate. Well, no, he's a good geography teacher with money, isn't he? 
I bet he loves an elbow patch. I've got no doubt in my mind that all of his suits have patches on. I think you're the being a bit that, harsh. The ones that England make him wear, sure, quite tight. When he goes home and sits in his greenhouse, has a nice cup of coffee, elbow patches, cardigans, mulling over nah, if Deli Alley's any good. I have got him all wrong. Okay, well, you know, you, you've seen him more than me, but uh, I just, uh, you know, I'm right. Um, but it just, it's, it's frustrating watching, watching these England games and, and all these internationals this time of year, mainly because... Um, they can talk about, oh, well, I still don't know what player's going to be in my squad for the summer because there's still a lot of the season to go. Then why are we doing friendlies right now then? Like, why don't we close the season up by two weeks and have more friendlies going into the tournament? There's still three months to go. It's a bizarre time. All the friendlies in the three weeks building up to the World Cup, brilliant, do them, because as many games you can get building up to a major tournament. But there's every chance from these games that Vardy breaks his leg, Butland can't make it, uh, James Tukowski's not available. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, there's a lot of things that can happen between yeah, now and the end. But I think it's, it's important. like when they vote for Player of the Year five months before the season yeah, finishes. Well, that is a bit weird. But I think it's important that international teams meet up regularly to build a spirit within the camp. Gareth Southgate needs contact time with his players. Mm. It was a good opportunity for him to try out some new players, and he did so. And I don't think any of the new players disgraced themselves. I think they all mm. looked pretty good. Obviously, Tarkowski gave away the penalty against See, Italy. I love that. So many, but people played really well. so many people afterwards were like, oh, he had a really good debut. He cost us the game. Yeah, but... He cost us the game. Yeah, but then, no, but if you're a centre-half... Who cost you the game. You, yeah, but you, you can't just be judged on one moment. He played well for that game. Sprinters are judged on one moment. You're always judged no, 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 no. on one moment. Sport is about one moment. Yeah, but football oh, he had a great round of golf, but on right, the 18th so he couldn't You just putt. toss him aside because he made, cause he, no, he made uh, one mistake. No, but I wouldn't. It's not even a mis- necessarily a, a mistake. Good, saying he had a good game. All this like, oh, six out of ten he played well. He cost us the game. So let's be realistic about it. it it's all well and good being, this is England's biggest problem. No, but oh, did, well he, show, done, did well he show enough in that game at that level to say that he could play again for England and play well? He's not going to make a mistake necessarily every game. If you did that and you tossed aside every player that makes one mistake, saying, you'd never get, get anywhere. I'm not saying toss him aside. I'm not saying drop him. But I'm saying let's not praise someone for basically costing England a win. That's what happened. That's the facts of it. It just drives me mad when everyone's like, oh, didn't he do well? Well, he did do well. No, he didn't do well. He doesn't get anything. He doesn't get a cuddly toy off the conveyor belt. He did not do well. Tell you what did do well. The old video assistant referee. Except for the fact, didn't you think it was weird that the video was on a winch? Well, it wasn't ready. It wasn't ready. They, they like didn't have it winched up high enough. It basically looked like they put a screen on the face of Johnny Number 5 from Short Circuit. <laughs> but there's no reason. there's no reason for it to not already be up. Do you know what I mean? And then they've got, we spoke about this before, the fact that referees don't get paid enough money to do these kind of high-pressure jobs. And basically, they're a work-experienced boy on a winch. So when the referee uh, comes over and says, I want to look at the screen, they've got a boy going, oh, he's not winching. He's not winching. This is world broadcast international sport. Have the screen ready. That was poor. Weird. Yeah. Especially at a time where people are being hypercritical of it. Um, and... It was, end of the day, like everyone's saying, Tukowski said afterwards, oh, it's never been a penalty. Well, it's never been a penalty because we weren't able to look it again. You know, I know that's a turn of phrase, but people saying things like that, he stamped on his ankle, that's a penalty. He would have got away with it in the old days. You don't get away with it anymore. You've got to be better. Yeah, and it will work both ways, though, because if we'd had VR, VAR on Friday in yes, Amsterdam, the Rashford we, pen. we would have got a penalty. So you will get penalties that you would previously not have got and you will concede penalties that you would have previously gone away with it will still even itself out over the course of a season nothing's changed nothing has changed to coin a famous <laughs> phrase uh, but it wasn't you know what I liked about the international break as well uh, that Lanzini and Messi are pals 
I enjoyed that. I liked it when the sixth goal went in for Spain against Argentina and it cuts to Lionel Messi and, and Manuel Lanzini in, in, the, uh, in the crowd. And Messi basically done what I do when West Ham conceded the sixth. And he was like, right, that's me, pal. Uh, have a good day, yeah? You see you next week? Yeah, yeah, bye. And he basically got up to walk out. It's fantastic. Like, as, as if the world couldn't love Lionel Messi anymore. He's basically the same as us. When his team are rubbish, he's off. He wants to beat the traffic. And I love that. That was great. That's exactly what I want to see from my superstars. It was a disappointing result, though, for Argentina. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's interesting. All these little results, you look at the Argentina team, it wasn't a full-strength team. No, but they still went Higuain. People, pe- and, people say, know, oh, 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 10 to 1, Spain's in the World Cup. Oh, I think I have a bit of that. <laughs> it was, I love the, was it the fifth or the sixth goal, where they literally just blasted it forward. And like, Otamendi was like, well, let's let it go. Shall we lost now? What's great as well about the international break? Oh, well, now we're loving as, it. As it pertains to the Premier League. It must be a nightmare for, for Premier League press officers up and down the yeah, land. Yeah. Because all these players, and the reason I've noticed this now more than ever is because it's actually finally happened to Watford. Uh, all the players, they go off to their native countries. Mm. They, they're comfortable speaking in their, in their mother tongue. And they they give interviews and they and they they have their favorite journalists and whatever they open up and they 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 say oh yeah I, I want to leave to join Always Barcelona I want to I want to go here or I'm not happy with this you get some great news lines out of these players that you would never get in a million years mm. after a Premier League game or in a press conference over here during a normal season uh, Abdullah Decore of Watford has basically said he wants to join Liverpool Chelsea Man United Spurs and Arsenal he doesn't <laughs> mind any of them will do as long as it's not here <laughs> I'll never have to go back to Watford again. That'd be fine. I love the fact they don't think we can translate things. I mean, I've got Google. I can do it. I'll translate anything. I'll translate something right now. Je ne comprends pas. I don't understand. Having that? Yeah, well done. Thanks, mate. Die boot ist alle. Is the butter is finished. Um, that's all my different languages. Oh, and I also went to Madrid over the international break, and, uh, and I can say, uh, dos grandes sangria, por favor. Which is... Two big sangrias. How do I get out of here? Oh, okay. Well, that's why I kept getting St. Chris then. Um, one other quick line from the, from the international break. I did love this. It's similar to what you were saying. You see Olivier Giroud getting interviewed after I think it was France's win against Russia. And he's being interviewed in like the mixed zone scrum area. And they're just doing the usual interview. Interviewer then, at the corner of his eye, he sees Kylian Mbappe. And you know when you're talking to someone, but you're also looking at their mate. <laughs> and he's yeah, like, yeah, right, yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah great, great stuff. Yeah, great, yeah. And then you're at a dinner party or something, you yeah. know, a drinks reception. Yeah. And you've, you've okay, we need I'm, to wind this to up now. To him. you got someone in, in your peripheral. Yeah. You want to try and get into the conversation. And uh, Giroud threw a proper fit. And he was like, sorry, do you want to speak to him? Is it him you're after? And they were like, no, yeah, no, I no. I think we are, actually, Olivier. Of course, because that's Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. And your Chelsea substitute, Olivier Giroud. Weird. Uh, and we're glad the Premier League is back, though. What great games this weekend. We're going to preview as many as we can in detail. Uh, and you must be quite happy because Watford games don't really mean anything. It must be a quite a stress-free time of year for you. Yeah, well, not completely stress-free. There are four home games left for Watford because uh, they can't win away from home. Even the manager admits that. Mm. Um, and if you get two wins out of that, it's thirty-six, probably enough, though, do you think? Possibly, but you still, you know, you don't want to chance it. You don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to go in. Points. Don't want to go into the last few weeks of the season. No not having it done because there is a game against Manchester United looming large on the final day of the season at Old mm. Trafford. Uh, I mean, down the bottom, that's going to be such a big story for the show. It's Southampton up against West Ham this weekend at the London Stadium. Uh, they've had a lovely break in Miami and then another week of doing nothing. Well, we'll see whether it worked, won't mm. we? We will see. Uh, I'm sure it has. I'm sure they're all refreshed and revitalised. Uh, I lose suppose to Stuart Pearce this week. Did you? And he was positive, as you'd expect, mm. of course. He was singing the praises of Declan Rice, saying how hard he's working. Yeah, sure, sure. 
Sure, I can't mark anyone because he's a kid, but sure, great stuff. Thanks, Stuart. Um, yeah, all right, let's get into that a little bit later, shall we? I don't want to get wound up too early. Uh, Neil Miller and Chris Oellamo are going to join us on the Premier League preview show for the 32nd week of the season. <laughs> Onto Salah, shifts it onto his right foot, back onto his left, still going. They're trying to bring it down, but they can't. And he tucks it home, low along the floor, past the goalkeeper, in at the cop end. And there is the first ever hat trick in red for Mohamed Salah. It's the Premier League preview show for game week 32 of the season. Though, of course, some of the teams have played 30, 31. It's all a bit sketchy this time of the year, but trust us, it's the 32nd week technically, of the season. Tom Rennie and David Walker with you for the preview show. Now, we are covering every single Premier League game outside the UK and Ireland to our partners. We start the weekend with Crystal Palace up against Liverpool. It's a 12.30 UK time kickoff, And, of course, for Liverpool, it is maybe one of the most crucial weeks of not just this season, but the last maybe decade at Liverpool Football Club because it's this game in the Premier League. They're chasing down that top four place. And then on Wednesday, we're to Anfield for the first leg of those Champions League quarterfinals up against City. It's a Merseyside derby after that at Goodison. And then it's to the Etihad, which it seems they can't sell, but it's to the Etihad uh, for the second leg of that game. Let's talk to a former Liverpool striker, shall we, who's with us on the line. Neil Mellor, what a couple of weeks it's going to be for Liverpool. How much focus is there for the Reds on this Palace game, or will they be thinking about what's coming up? Well, well, they certainly just mentioned that there are some absolutely huge games that the club and everyone involved uh, are looking forward to, but... You know, the manager will always say that the, the priority, the focus has to be the next game. And, and the reason for that is because Liverpool don't want to be slipping up and, and going into these big games having um, suffered a, uh, an unexpected defeat at Crystal Palace. The momentum was, was good going into the international break. OK, there was a defeat at, at Old Trafford. Um, I felt as though big decisions went against Liverpool. Um, played well second half, a little bit unfortunate to have lost that game. Um, but responded really well against Watford. Then the international break comes, and it's about who comes back from there. You know, the assess- the assessor players have been all over the world. They've all had different game time, and and then uh, the preparation time isn't quite as long as perhaps it would be for uh, other Premier League games. Sometimes these early games on a Saturday, particularly when you add in the international break, as you've just said, Neil, you can sometimes get the impression that the players are not quite at it. If the crowd feel a bit bit asleep, and if you if you're a Palace fan and you're looking for any sort of desperate chance of, of thinking how you might beat Liverpool, that will hopefully play into their favour. Well, I, I think that's a fair comment, certainly maybe earlier on in the season, but, but now we're, we're coming to it. You mentioned it's the 32nd week of the Premier League season. You know, there's, there's an awful lot to play for. We're coming to that end of the season where, you know, there's a lot at stake. Crystal Palace, we're now battling away to try and stay in the Premier League. And one of the main strengths is, is, is the atmosphere they create at Southhouse Park. They, they make it difficult and they, they do create a, a fantastic atmosphere with the fans there. And a lot of the top sides that have been there this season, I found it really, really difficult. I mean, they beat Chelsea there. City found it tough, didn't get, really got a point. Mm. Um, and, and United were a little bit fortunate to turn it around themselves and, and get the three points. So, so Liverpool now, well, that's a huge factor that they have to bear in mind when, when they play Saturday lunchtime because the Palace fans, 
even though it's an early kickoff, they'll uh, certainly be up for it, wanting to make it difficult for Liverpool. Yeah, I was there a few years ago for the infamous Suarez Tears game and all that, so it's not a great place <laughs> for Liverpool fair. to go. Um, well, I'm sure we experienced it in different ways. Uh, Got to ask you about um, the Lionel Messi of Egypt, Mohamed Salah. Does it annoy you that you're being treated like one of us rubbish clubs? That because he's good, it seems like he's going to have to go somewhere else. <laughs> I think um, the season he's had has been incredible, hasn't it? You know, uh, when Liverpool bought him, uh, whatever it was, it was under forty million, mm. wasn't it? Thirty odd. It was, um, you know, it was a big investment at the time, but it's proved to be an absolute bargain with the, with the contribution he's had. Um, he's enjoying himself, you know. Yes, there'll always be links with Barcelona and Real Madrid for the top Premier League players. That's, that has been the case, um, and and you can just see he's enjoying himself. But what you, what you would say is. He's formed a partnership with Firmino and Mane, which is, is is why he's excelling so much. Now, Salah may well be up there for player of the season. I think with a lot of Liverpool fans, Firmino has certainly had as big a contribution this season. Without scoring as many goals as Salah, certainly contribution has been absolutely huge and a major reason why Salah's been enjoying himself and in such good form this season. Yeah, the way they ripped apart Watford, sorry to mention it, Dave, but the way they ripped apart <laughs> Watford was uh, incredible a couple of weeks ago. Can I ask you, on resources, we mentioned all the games that they've got coming mm-hmm. up. How does Jurgen Klopp manage these sort of situations? Will he make a lot of changes? Will we see Moreno one week, Robertson the next week? I know he's changed the central defenders around, so Van Dijk was with Matip one week, Lovren the next. Seems like he's picked his number one keeper, but but that's about mm-hmm. it. Will he, will he make a lot of changes, do you think, for a game like this, with the, the game coming up in a couple of days after? He, he, from from the first game of the season, he has always made changes throughout the season. So it's not been a, you know that has been a settled team for Liverpool. He has made changes throughout the season. I think I think he'd be strong certainly against Crystal Palace and again for the game against um, City. I think the changes may come sort of back end of the season when you're looking at games against you know West Brom, Stoke, Brighton, those sort of games. He may well uh, rotate the squad a little bit more. Um, there will be changes. Two or three, rather than five or six, I think we'll see. But the good thing for Liverpool this season has been, you know, that there has been competition for places, and and even on the bench, there's players missing out who, um, who when they do come come in, uh, they don't weaken the side at all. I need to be wary of Crystal Palace this weekend, though. Zahari's back, and they are fighting for their lives, and they are able to pull off a shock at Selhurst Park as well. Benteke's uh, got a good record against Liverpool. As you well, forget Benteke, left. don't you? Of course. What is his record? Six goals in eight games. Against Liverpool, mm-hmm. that is so good. It's more than he scored against anyone in that period, isn't it? <laughs> I think there might be some of them before he joined Liverpool right, as well, okay. but still. Be fearful Thanks of Benteke, that. that's the rule. Um, listen, <laughs> let's just go on to the uh, the Everton game against Man City. That's the 5.30 kickoff uh, coming up this Saturday, UK time. Um, what will City do, do you think, this weekend? Again, they'll surely be thinking about the Premier League uh, title and they'll be thinking about the Champions League. Things coming up down mm. the line, the United game next week. They want to win it against United. They want to make sure they get something at Anfield. Do you think their eye might be off the ball a little bit as well when they go to Everton? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so at all. I think perhaps when they have wrapped up the title, which we're all expecting them to do at Old Trafford um, next weekend, I think once they've won the title, then I think there could be a couple of games towards the end of the season in the Premier League where City aren't perhaps at the level that they have been previously in the season. But I think, you know, this is a massive um, period for them. They'll want to go into the the two games against uh, Liverpool in in the Champions League maintaining this incredible form and and the way they've been performing this season. So, at Everton, we now again, 
it can be a difficult place. It hasn't really been a difficult place for teams to go this season, so I don't see them having any problems there. And then, the, you know, the first leg, for me, I'm wanting to see City win the title against United because then I'm thinking, how would they respond having such a high moment of mm. winning the Premier League? Yeah. So uh, going into that second leg, you know, so for me, I think that would be uh, an interesting one. And um, if they don't win it at Old Trafford, they really will be fired up for that second leg. So I think from a Liverpool point of view, I'm kind of hoping they do uh, beat Everton and, and United to win the uh, title going into that second leg then. Well, let's have a little look ahead to that Champions League tie. Yeah. Obviously, we we won't be back before the uh, before the first leg. What what chance do you realistically give Liverpool of coming through in two legs against Man City? Obviously, they have beaten them once this season. There was the mm. red card in the first game, which City went on to win comfortably. City will mm-hmm. still be favourites, but it's it's not a foregone conclusion by any means. No, not at all. You know, I don't think City would have been too pleased when they saw the draw themselves. I, I think. When the draw came out, I think it was a great tie for football. You know, a lot of games in the Premier League, and, you, and you've both seen them this season, teams have been a little bit cautious. Some of the, it, There hasn't been a great deal of uh, chances created. We've now got the two best sides in the Premier League who will have a right go at each other. Both attacks are, are really strong. Liverpool will be brave uh, and have a go at City. And we know about City, the way they've been this season, scoring so many goals, creating so many chances. On paper, it's looking like an absolutely cracking game the way it was at Anfield recently when, when Liverpool beat City uh, and ended their unbeaten Premier League run um, this season. The first game, obviously, the sending off had a huge impact in the game. Um, but again, Liverpool were having a go at the, at the City defence. So I think for the neutral, I think it's going to be an absolutely cracking game. City will be favourites because they've been more consistent this season. There's no doubt about that. Um, but Liverpool haven't beat them. Um, earlier on in the season, I think that would be a huge confidence boost to think we we can do this. We know we know we can beat the City side. I think that would be big. What's a good scoreline in the first leg? I'm always interested in this. Of course, the away goals are all often ruins these games. I think as well because uh, they cause they can score at the Etihad. I think they will score in that second leg. So mm. w- will they be desperate to keep a clean sheet? Is that a way Jurgen Klopp is able to play? Will they be hoping to win the game out of sight like they did in the Premier League? What is a good scoreline for Liverpool? What makes them happy? I think both teams would want to be in a tie going into that second, second game. Um, I think Liverpool having the home advantage will want some kind of goal lead if, if that is um, to be the case. I think it's likely both teams will score in both games because of the attacks that they both have. But if Liverpool can take an advantage going into that second leg, then I think that would be uh, ideal after the first one. He sounds nervous to me. Do you think nervous? (laughs) Uh, Neil, just one final quick question, just because uh, we didn't mention them earlier on. Uh, Everton, the the host of Man City this weekend. Uh, Obviously, you're in the city. You know a lot of Everton fans. Um, What what on earth is going on with Sam Allardyce? And, And is there any chance he stays on for next season? And also... Jenk Tossen looks right, doesn't he? <laughs> They're not happy. The Everton fans are not happy in the city at the moment. There's, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, the appointment of Sam Allardyce. They were in trouble at the time. They're obviously safe. They're not going to go down to a position where they're going to be staying in the Premier League. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of change made there because there is a lot of unhappiness in Merseyside at the moment on the blue side. And whether things will change or not with the Derby game coming up, whether uh, I don't know. But um, yes, Tossum's done all right in terms of recently scoring goals. Was spent for a few quid. Everton have lacked goals all season, having mm. got rid of Lukaku in last season. So. Um, um, yeah, they're not happy. And obviously, it's been 
uh, heightened by how well Liverpool have been playing this season and um, obviously doing really well in the Champions League and, and looking very strong candidates for finishing the top four again. Neil Mellor, top man, former Liverpool striker. Thanks for joining us on the preview Cheers, show. Uh, Liverpool up against Crystal Palace. The early game of the weekend, Manchester City's game against Everton is the 5.30 UK time kickoff on Saturday. Plenty more to get through. Stay with us. Stoke City 1, Everton 2. Has Chentosson just put Stoke City closer to the relegation trapdoor? Cross it from the right-hand side. Stoke had just been on the counter-attack at the other end. And there was Tosson to stoop and Sandig's header inside Jack Butland's left-hand post. It's the Premier League preview show for the 32nd week of the season. It's the business end of the season at the top, as we've spoken about, but it's also getting very, very nervy down the bottom of the table right now. In that bottom three, West Bromwich Albion, they're going to go. There's no doubt about that. Who joins them? That is anyone's guess. Stoke City sit 19th right now on 27 points. Southampton sit third bottom in 18th on 28 points. They're up against West Ham this weekend at the London Stadium and the Hammers are just above them in 17th on 30. Palace, Huddersfield, Swansea, Newcastle, Brighton. Well, Brighton may be out of it, might, might just be out of it, but the rest of those teams are very, very much in it. Big weekend for Stoke City. They go to Arsenal. It's the 1.30 UK time kickoff on Sunday. Our international commentary team will include a former Potter striker in Chris Oelamo, who joins us right now. How are you, mate? You are right? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very good. Thanks for making some time for us today. Listen, Stoke no, City, I, I don't think that too many of us thought they would struggle this badly. I didn't think they'd be qualifying for Europe or flying high or challenging City or anything. Uh, but the season has been an unmitigated disaster, hasn't it? And this weekend against Arsenal, they've got to get something, haven't they? Are they going to just fire it up to Peter Crouch and hope for the best? I think they've got to. You know, I think, uh, yes, it's been, it's, it has been a disaster. It's been disappointing. There's been certain question marks over, over certain individuals' performances throughout the campaign. Uh, I've got to say the biggest surprise to me was when, when Mark Hughes actually does go, uh, the decision, when when they made that decision, obviously then Paul Lambert comes in. But then there's a question mark over the fitness of the squad. You know, there were certain things, I've heard little whispers out the camp from certain sports scientists that, that the, the first couple of sessions, sessions under Paul Lambert was that the hardness that the, the squad had worked. Uh, even including pre-season, which should never be the case for me. So, so there's certain things there. And the new manager coming into a, 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 like you say, a, a camp like that, a, a team like that, a team like that, then you need to implement your style. But if the, if the team and the players individually can, are not fit enough to, to do that, then you've got to have one eye on, well, I can't push them too hard because of certain injuries. But then you've got to then get results, which is the, 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 the beyond, beyond and end all. And that's, that's not been the case. So, if you look at a lot of results, like even Bournemouth, you know, the first, uh, Bournemouth away, 1-0 up, 70, 75 minutes gone, and then Bournemouth comes strong at the end because is that a question mark over fitness levels? And, and now there's another spin, that little negativity with Affle, I think, being told to stay away from training uh, because he's, he's a bad influence. And I've been in dressing rooms, I've been in dressing rooms, I know what it's like when, when you're not figuring, you're, you're, you're coming in, you can have, you can have bad eggs that poison the group and you don't need things like that and it's just another negative. I was always surprised when they let John Waters and Graham Whelan go and kept Charlie Adam because Charlie Adam's too fat to still be in the Premier League. He's a danger to himself and others and he showed that in that awful tackle on Wayne Rooney and yet they let someone who's the embodiment of great fitness in Graham Whelan go. Uh, I, I just find that really strange. The whole transfer policy over the last couple of years has been very... 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Very poor. And, you know, as good as Jesse Rodriguez has been when he's been available, and you know you can't legislate for what's happened to him, you know, they're playing a 36 year old Peter Crouch up front regularly. And if Shakiri don't do it off him, there's nothing else there. They've, they seem to have gone for flair and signed poorly and also let the heart go. It, it's very, very strange. And it is Arsenal away this weekend for Stoke. Then it's Spurs for them in a massive game against West Ham away from home. There is winnable games for Stoke, but, but probably not this weekend. But anyway, it's tough times for Stoke City. We know that. Chris Oelamo, former striker with the Potters. Thanks for your time, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, let's get on to another game down the bottom. It's the big game of the weekend down it the is. bottom as it's well. It is. huge game. It is 17th place West Ham. Three weeks from... The Burnley shame up against the Southampton side who are still in the bottom three and they cannot buy a win. They've changed their manager and still, it seems, can't buy a win. Um, it's, it's an amazing time to, to be a West Ham follower and to see what's happening at the club. It's been disaster after disaster for years upon years and yet somehow they are still just above the line. Um, their whole season really dependent on how they got on against Burnley, thrash. Uh, Southampton, Stoke and Everton at home. If they were to win them games, it's 42 points, you're not going to get caught. They could still win those other three and make it. But you know David Moyes has the worst win percentage of any West Ham manager in history? Really? Worst win Ever. percentage than Avram, then Roda, then Zola. He is the worst, statistically, manager West Ham have ever had. Because... He just has lost that aura. He's obviously lost the organisational acumen. And when that first goal went in against Burnley, um, my word, it collapsed. Yeah, there's a real confidence problem at the moment, isn't there? That, that is permeating throughout the whole club. We mm. obviously know the situation with the supporters and it's a toxic mm. situation. Um, but there was a period in the season where it appeared that he had turned the corner and you were getting some good results and mm. Nautovic and Lanzini looked like they were really fit and firing. And they did it for one game When they got injured, it's sort of, since then, it's, they've never recovered, really. They actually played pretty well for an hour against Burnley. The performance wasn't too bad, but the Swansea game was just an absolute abomination. Uh, and that was a vital, vital game. He's had players sold from underneath him. I get that. You know, Sullivan and Gold cheaped out on quality uh, despite the £43 million of the profit they made. I mean, you can't make a profit 
in the Premier League. That, that's kind of rule number one. If you're making a profit, you're doing something wrong. You're not investing enough in your team. That's something, well, West, they might, they that's might something say, a lot of players they might of say differently. Found. But, well, they would, but they're about to get a team relegated for the second time in eight years. So what do they know? Sod all. Perhaps. <laughs> I mean, and these games are crucial. This game is absolutely massive. Yeah. It's, it's Mark Hughes' first Premier League game mm. in charge of Southampton. Obviously won the first game against Wigan in the FA Cup a few weeks ago. Mm. You would... I suppose you would expect Southampton to be better than they have been. Mm. Not necessarily. They're still in trouble themselves. I mean, the performance against Newcastle, which got the former manager sacked, that was really as low as I think Southampton are ever going to get performance-wise. Uh, a Newcastle team who can barely score a goal, they, they could have won that for six by seven. Like, I just don't know whether Mark Hughes is a very good appointment. In similar vein to, to David Moyes, sometimes you need a little bit of inspiration. Mm. Uh, and you look maybe at Javi Grazia, you look maybe at Carlos Carvalhal, sometimes you've got to go a bit left field because the same old faces and he is the same the old face. Go down. This is the, uh, the sixth different Premier League club that Mark mm. Hughes will have been in charge of. There's only one man uh, who's done that at other clubs, and that's Sam Allardyce. Mm. He's had seven clubs. You, you look at the, the names that are down there. So Alan Pardew is about to come, become the sixth Allen to be relegated to the Premier League. So <laughs> stop firing Allens. Uh, I saw it the other day. It's Smith, Kirbishley. Uh, come back to me. But I read it the other day. It was really funny. Um, Stoke, obviously, they've had Mark Hughes. Now they get a Paul Lambert, already been relegated. Southampton now got to Mark Hughes, you know, who's struggled repeatedly at clubs, whatever he did for a few years. At Stoke, he's, he's been a struggler for most of his managerial career. David Moyes shouldn't be gainfully employed by a football club. It's amazing they gave him the job. And it seems if they stay up, they still want him. Roy Hodgson, God bless him, over the hill, but he, he still somehow got a job. It, it stands to reason. There's a reason these five guys are in the bottom five. They're old hat. Their ideas are old hat. And they're all just struggling to stay above water when this league's meant to be worth more than that. And the fact that these two managers are meeting at London Stadium this weekend in the positions they're in, is no surprise. Southampton had a big opportunity there. They sacked the manager too late. We all know that. They've not been inspirational enough. They've not been visionary enough. They obviously haven't done their research well enough. They've mm-hmm. gone for the nearest available bloke they think might possibly be able to do it. And if that's the reason for changing your manager, there's no point in doing it. If Mark Hughes stays up, I wonder whether they would have stayed up under Pellegrino anyway. If West Ham stay up, would Bilic not have done the exact same job? A couple of little decent runs, but in general pretty bad. I thought not what you were saying at the time. I thought Bilic had to go, (laughs) but there was very few managers that I thought could have done worse, and they hired him. They hired someone who got relegated last year, one of the worst teams in Premier League history. Look, on the game itself, how do West Ham play this weekend? The three at the back thing worked for a while, but the fact they bought no centre-halves, and Collins is injured again, Font's been sold, Reed has been injured pretty much for four seasons. The guys are a waste of time. Sorry, New Zealanders, but he just isn't fit enough to play at this level. If he was fit enough, he wouldn't be playing at West Ham. But he's not fit enough. So you're looking at Kiate maybe being in a three with Declan Rice or Cresswell and obviously Igbonna. That is not good enough. You're going to have to then put wing-backs. Yeah. Masuaku's back after his spit-gate thing. So will he play Antonio and Masuaku as wing-backs to get that pace going forward? He likes to play Zebaleta who's played almost every game this year. I think he's missed like one or two games this year. Zebaleta is very much past it. He's played every minute of every game and he go to the keeper. He literally dropped Adrian after a couple of poor performances, brought in England's fourth-choice goalkeeper, Joe Hart, and he made a howler for the third goal. Joe Hart shouldn't be anywhere near a top-flight team. He's basically a coach now. He's just England goalkeeping coach. That's his job. Shouldn't be anywhere near it. So that's another thing he's going to have to do. After bringing Hart back and saying to Adrian, you're no good, does he bring him back? Well, what you are describing now is the result of West Ham's consistently poor 
mm. recruitment policy oh, for years now. We've all seen that long list of strikers oh. who barely got a goal between them. And it's a mix and match. There's the occasional goodbye. And Obviously, Payet worked. Lanzini's been good. And Nautovic has had his moments. But the, the bad far, far, far oh, outweighs the good. And that's because... It, there is no strategy at this club. It doesn't seem on the footballing on the footballing side of things. But it's, you know what? You know what it is. I'll tell you exactly what it is. They've had various managers in, and those managers, I tell you for a fact, they have gone. These are the six or seven players I want, and they've gone. No, 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 no. Try and get him. And Matthew, forty mil is twenty. Is twenty one. Is twenty one plus three plus six plus nine. And they go. Well, we tried. Here's your seventh choice. Enter Jordan Hugill. And that's what it is. You can't run a Premier League business like that. Like 12 minutes. They needed a striker because Andy Carroll, would you believe it, is injured. Someone who can come and do that job. And they brought someone from the championship and didn't play him. Um, I think West Ham will lose this weekend. I think Southampton have got pace in their team. West Ham get destroyed by pace because they've got cheap and old defenders. Um, And I'd fancy Southampton. The issue is who's going to score for them. Uh, Carrillo has been a bad buy. Gabby Adini looks totally shot from the player they brought in last season. They've got players who can get goals in the squad, though. Tell you who's back. Charlie Austin, who David Sullivan once said, he's got no ligaments in his knee, so why would we buy him? And he's got injury problems, but that ain't one of them. Uh, so Charlie Austin won. The shoulder's the bigger problem, isn't it? I think, than the knees. Many, many injuries. But, um, he's literally made up an ailment. <laughs> so if, you, if you do lose yeah. this match, by a margin of at least three goals or more, which is what you've lost the last previous three matches by, mm. you'll be the first side to do that since 1968 when Nottingham Forest wow. won, lost four in a row. I, I just can't... Of the teams down there, I look at the squads, I look at the managers, I look at the crowd being behind their team... I look at home advantage, all these things, and West Ham, for me, come bottom of that group. I, I, unless they win this weekend, which I don't see, I don't think they'll also then beat Stoke and Everton and then get an A point from the other games, quite tough, City, United. I just don't see West Ham staying up, and I think that'll be the fruits of Sullivan's labours, sadly. Um, I just can't see it. I think West Brom, West Ham and another. I wouldn't say Southampton will stay up, but I'd fancy him this weekend. There's one other landmark that you might reach this weekend. Go on, most pitch invaders. (laughs) If you lose this game, it'll be West Ham's 1,000th top flight defeat. Hmm, and counting. Uh, Might get a few more this season. I'm just not sure West Ham will have many more chances to lose in the top flight. Such has been the terrible mismanagement of the club. But on the upside, I'm sure they've had a lovely week in Miami. It's the Premier League preview show. More to come. It's the Premier League preview show for the 32nd week of the season. Uh, Much like an Australian cricketer, we've had a lot of emotions in the last 24 hours or so. I've been crying like a baby like Steve Smith, waiting for the West Ham game to come back on. And they're all back. That's good news, isn't it? Have you watched much of the cricket story this week? They're going to love this in America. Well, there's been nothing else, really. Uh, let's get to some of the football. Uh, four o'clock UK time this coming Sunday. Chelsea against Spurs. Uh, I was doing the game a couple of years ago when Spurs, they never blew the title. Legend says they did, but of course the title was already gone. When Eden Hazard uh, scored that goal and wrapped it all up. The bat with the bridge. It's amazing, isn't it, that with all the success Spurs have had, the record continues. They haven't won there since 1990. Um, and this with it being almost a bit of a free swing for, for both of them, it might it might be a decent chance to do so. I think they've got better players. They've got pace in their side, which I think Chelsea have lacked at, at crucial moments this season. I'd fancy Spurs to get something here. It's been confirmed that Harry Kane's not going to play, something Pochettino has said this week, still recovering from those damaged lateral ligaments. But 
I mean, in Hungmin Son, who will play up front if he's not been called up for the, the, the South Korean army while we've been away, I, I just think they've got the better, better strike of the two teams, yep. got the better attack of the two teams, and, and the better defence as well. Well, Son has scored seven in his last five games, I suppose, so he's bang in form. If he comes back fit and firing from the international break, he could be the difference maker. Chelsea have their own difference maker in Eden Hazard, mm. but he doesn't, or hasn't, been as consistent this season as he has been when they've won the title, when he's carried them to the title, mm. you, you could say as well. And that's really been one of the big problems for Chelsea this season is not enough of their good players have been good enough consistently enough. There's obviously problems at Chelsea, but they're still in there. They're still in with a with a, a chance of getting top four. It looks unlikely they'll need to mm. win this game if they're going to have any chance of doing it. If you're Chelsea, I, I just wonder, I, a, lot, a lot of Chelsea fans are kind of, I know, and I always ask them, with Eden Hazard, as great as he is, has he had that window to go into that elite bracket where Messi and Ronaldo are? It's been open for him. He's played in great teams, but he's never quite made that jump. And I just wonder, with the continual come-and-get-me's to to Real Madrid, the continual cyclical nature of that story, whether this might be a good time to to move away from having a team built around someone who has such massive peaks and troughs. Yeah, I, I wonder whether the thing preventing him from getting into that top bracket is the stuff away from his ability, his desire, mm. his application. Is he really... Uh, this is pure speculation. I don't know the man. I've never seen him work on a day-to-day basis. But I get, I do get the impression that the thing that separates someone like Ronaldo and Messi... And Messi's you know, got unbelievable God-given talents, if mm. you like. But they always say that it's the, the work they put in. They're always practicing. They're dedicating every single aspect of their life into being the absolute best mm. at an elite level. And people have said that about Eden Hazard, that he could be part of that group. But for some reason... He's never made it mm. yet. That move hasn't come yet, and it doesn't look like it's about to at the moment. You wouldn't expect him to be the main player linked with Real Madrid and Barcelona this summer. There are others who have overtaken him in that queue, and that leads people like me to wonder why. And you just wonder, he seems as quite a sort when of... When you rela- see him he seems like his a, absolute yeah, best, he, he seems amazing. like a, quite a relaxed, laid-back sort of guy. He doesn't always work as hard as I think he perhaps might do. And when he plays up front, he's never very happy. So will it be Morata? Will it be Giroud? Oh, what is the Giroud thing? I'm still not getting Remember it. Remember months ago when they signed him? Mm. And I said, well, I don't know why he's gone there. He's yeah, not going to play. Right. And you said, yeah, oh, he's going to play. He's going to play every I, game. I'm stunned. I'm genuinely stunned because I thought they brought him in specifically for those Barcelona matches. And then what he come on in the second game, I think. Uh, and that's about it. Um, he hasn't played in the league. They don't seem to want to use him. Conte doesn't want him. I never. I just don't get where I'm in a world now with transfers where if the manager don't want the player, the player still gets bought. Because even if you keep the manager for six months, they ain't going to play that, yeah, well, that only That only works if the manager is happy with that situation. Mm. If the manager is happy to receive players and work with them, then that's fine. But where but if, you've got, if you've got ever. a schism between board and manager, which you quite clearly have at Chelsea with Antonio Conte and many other managers in the past, then it doesn't matter who they have. Mm. It's a problem. The, the Antonio Conte situation has been a problem for Chelsea since the summer. They won the league last season and then they did not strengthen when they were on top. They had the whole Costa situation. He was unhappy with their... The, the players that they bought and the players that they didn't buy and the players that, 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 that they sold. And it's, it's not been good. Despite that, they've, they've managed to keep it just about together. They're in an FA mm-hmm. Cup semi-final. They, they went out to Barcelona in the Champions League, which is no disgrace. But 
it's just not right. No. Uh, and we'd imagine Antio, Antonio Conte will, will be leaving in the summer or maybe before. Most people are quite surprised he is still there now. Uh, that game is four o'clock this Sunday. Should Spurs win it, you'd imagine there's no chance of Chelsea making the top four. If they do, goes down to two points. Race is on for fourth. Uh, let's go back to Saturday's games and talk about some of these games down the bottom. Uh, one game which might be in the meaningless bracket, uh, and to their credit, this is, is Brighton up against Leicester. Brighton are on 34 points. Could be party time at the Amex if they yeah. win. That's it, pretty much. I, it? I just can't see Southampton or West Ham getting to 37. I just don't see it. Certainly not Stoke and no chance West Brom. I think win this weekend. I think you've got a great chance of winning this weekend. They, they'll, they'll try yeah. and outplay Leicester. They'll try and attack Leicester. And I, I think they'll win this weekend. And... Let's get ourselves down to Brighton, mate. What are we doing Saturday evening? Let's blow it off. Let's get down there. What's the weather looking like this weekend? Do we um, know? It is going to be rainy, I think, because ah. it's England. Well, it's still in England. You never know. I mean, it's it's a, it's a nice place to Easter go. Easter weekend, bank holiday weekend. Get could be the perfect the time to get to Brighton. They have won their last three Premier League home games. Mm-hmm. They've been decent at home all season. They're in a good run of form. Glenn Murray's banging in the goals, as we've mentioned many times in the last few weeks. Leicester, they, no, they lost their big game against Chelsea in the FA Cup. No. Which they were quite unlucky. I fancied them to do the so. cut. I really did. They played. They played pretty well in that half, game. Half and it, pushed, and it was an error from Casper Schmeichel that let Pedro in of all people's head mm. in the winner from around the penalty spot. I was gutted from you know, really gutted from. Him. I thought it was their year, Leicester. I really thought it was their year for the cup. Everything just seemed to be set up quite nicely for them. In the, all the big teams, they'd still had European football, and they were the only team in it, the mm. best team in it, with nothing to play for. And then, of course, all them teams get knocked out. Well, <laughs> they get knocked out they as do. well. Mares is in good form. He's been playing well. He's put his regular January transfer wranglings behind him. Mm. And the player like Jamie Vardy, who is is in good form, scored a good goal for England on Tuesday night, he'll be thinking about the World Cup. Now, does he think about the World Cup as I've got to play as good as I can between now and the end of the season to force my way into that starting lineup for mm. England to make Gareth Southgate think I'm the option up front ahead of Harry Kane? Are you chewing, boy? Or That's Gareth Southgate. does he take it easy and think an injury and that's it. Mm. There's no more World Cups for me Last after window. this one. Yeah, uh, And I wonder if Riyad Mahrez might be a good replacement for Eden Hazard at Chelsea. But we'll get into that in the summer uh, when the speculation begins. Uh, one other quick game that's a bit pointless before we get on to the, the ones that are meaningless. Because it's Watford. Uh, your boys are up against Bournemouth. Bournemouth have fought their way to 36. That's where Watford are it's as well. It's something of a small little rivalry actually this oh, game. Yeah? Which no one really cares about I outside care. of Watford and Bournemouth. I want to know. Watford... Our listeners in Illinois <laughs> want to know. Well, Watford don't have a real natural rival at the moment. Because the traditional rivals, Luton Town. Down in League Two and haven't been anywhere near us for about to, a decade. Had to rub it in, didn't you, um, about Luton? So we sort of tried to sort. Is that of sp- why you never wear hats? Because um, the Luton no, there's many reasons. I've just got such good hair. That's you really why. Do. Um, it's lovely. But the, we've we've tried to sort of spark off a little rivalry with Crystal Palace. That hasn't really worked. Yeah. And the, Bournemouth, Watford, and Bournemouth came up together. Bournemouth pipped Watford to the title on the last mm. day of the season uh, in the Championship in 2013, and. There's been there has been a little bit of needle between the two sides. I think Watford fans have been resentful at the the shower of positive media coverage that Bournemouth have had over the last mm. few years, and Watford have had quite the opposite. And I think we feel a bit hard done by. Well, that's because they've got Eddie Howe. I would and like you've to point everyone out else. The Watford uh, have are unbeaten against Bournemouth since both teams were promoted. There's been four draws and one victory for Watford. Mm. Uh, uh, what next for Watford? I mean, that's going to be interesting. We're already talking about next season. Will Javi Gracia still be there next season? Well, is I, that still on? I was in the company of, of Javi Gracia uh, last night so on, glam, on, on Wednesday at a, 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 a sort of fans forum event. At Great Vicarage, hair Vicarage gets Road. you in to a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, this is why I got no, just, left You just outside. have to send an email. Um, 
and he, he was talk. He, he was on top form actually. Yeah. It was interesting to see that you don't really get it in post-match interviews when he's just saying the same old stuff. Good performance. We take one game at a time. Blah blah blah. But seeing him in a relaxed setting, he's a really top man, and he's clearly a very studious sort of football brain, and. He seems very relaxed, seems very happy. He's planning to be here next season. Mm. The chief executive was sitting alongside him and didn't disagree with him. Um, when you signed the contract till, was it just to the end of the season? I think it's an 18-month. It was an 18-month, right. So it takes it up to the end of next season. So I, I would I would anticipate, look, never say never with Watford, but I would anticipate Gracia being there next season because I think the club do realise that you you know we need a period of stability. Someone's got to stay when at it's some right, point. When it's good, keep keep going. Yeah, and he's done a good job. Yeah. Uh, talk about doing a good job. Talk about Newcastle up against Huddersfield Town this weekend. <laughs> uh, uh, their performance against Southampton. Game. We spoke about it from a Southampton perspective a little bit earlier and how poor the Saints were. Uh, but Newcastle were just very, very good. And, and they've done this a lot this season and haven't quite been rewarded for it. I think of the Bournemouth game and a few others where they get on the front foot really early in games and look to get it won in the opening 20, 30 minutes. They did that against Southampton. When the first goes in, you feel they might get the second, get the third, really push for it. Huddersfield, the exact opposite. They're trying to bore their way to safety. And I hope Newcastle stuff them this weekend because I don't see why we would need Huddersfield from an entertainment perspective. If this league's going to be the best in the world, continue to be so, why do we need teams that are going to come in well, and try to shut the whole thing down? Well, they're the going to be replaced by Cardiff, so I wouldn't oh. worry. <laughs> to be, oh, to be honest, don't, don't say it. At this rate. Um, but they failed to score in the last three Premier League games which is the uh, their third run of three goalless league games this season mm. which tells you all you need to know in fact and 12% of their goals this season scored by the opposition <laughs> own goals <laughs> obviously they are not an attractive team they don't have a plethora of attacking options but they do just have this habit of picking up a little result here and there mm. right when their backs are against the wall and it wouldn't surprise me West this, Brom win a few weeks ago yeah, you, you, you look it's set up for Newcastle to, to beat them this weekend but I, I just wouldn't be surprised if this one was a really tight one and they and maybe they get a draw or manage to nick it. It's a, it's a massive game and if yeah. Newcastle, you know, whichever team wins it, it gives them that breathing space. A loss for either team is, you know, at this time of the season is really bad and in those mm. situations, often... And they're both cagey. You might see a, a low-scoring draw, I think. Yeah, but I do kind of feel that, that positivity tends to overwhelm negativity uh, in these sorts of games. And I think Rafa will get them on the front foot. And that is just such a good job. It's worth highlighting how good a job they've done to keep Rafa Benitez. And I don't necessarily mean the hierarchy of the club. I mean the city. I mean the way the city and the people have opened their arms up to Rafa Benitez, the local newspapers, the people that have spoken to him, the people that were around him. To get Rafa to continue to do that job under the pressure he's been under, the, the terrible budget he's had, the ownership issues, I think that's the worst squad in the Premier League. Add, 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 since the, the, maybe not since the keepers come in and a couple of, but I, I genuinely think that in in depth and quality of squad, not necessarily the first team. But look at the squad they're playing against on Saturday. You can't say that they've got a worse squad than Huddersfield. I think I think the sales I put above everyone else, and then the rest of it is. No. I'm not sure I'd have. The, col- the keepers, before they've, no, they've they've got, the they have got in. better players in Huddersfield. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. Even, even in that midfield, Mo Diame. How many of those Newcastle players would get in the Huddersfield team? Shelby would. Shel- Dwight Gale would. Shelby Atsu would. would. Kennedy would. No, I'm not sure all those players Lascelles would. Lascelles would. I, I, I would say Lascelles and Shelby and the keeper now. And that might be about it for me. But, mm. you know, that's an arguable point. Yep. But either way, I think the squad is one of certainly the worst three in the league. And, and how many times have they been in the bottom three this year? Barely at all. I think they'll win this weekend, and I think they'll be safe this season. I think they're fortunate that there have been worse teams than them, though. 
And I'm not I'm not yeah, doing yeah. the job yeah, no, down yeah. that Rafa's done. He, he has had a difficult hand there, but they're fortunate that they've had a car crash in in West Brom and at Southampton and West Ham and, pl- and club yeah. like that have had and Swansea have had their problems. And Newcastle must be like, wait, don't we normally do that? This is weird. Uh, I think they'll win this weekend. Two other quick games. Uh, Man U up against Swansea, uh, the former car crash that was Swansea. You know, I did their game in the FA Cup against Spurs a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I was genuinely shocked by the lack of application mm. that they had. And the same as when they lost the away game to Brighton as well. That's a great moment. Well, they're no the good away from But just the, the way they tried to play, I, I feel as if, I know they've gone to three at the back a little bit more, re- more often under Carvalhial, but they were trying new players in new positions. They were trying a whole second team in a cup quarter final, and they just couldn't be bothered with it. No Jordan Ayew uh, in that game. Without him, they just don't have anyone, I don't think, of any real quality going forward, and that's a massive, massive well, they've issue. they've got his brother. Yeah, like I said, no one of any quality <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, and I think they'll get pumped by United this weekend. Yeah, I don't know if they get pumped. I wonder if we'll see... You know, Whether United want to, I suppose. Yeah, we'll see how United approach this game. You'd expect a, a victory for, for Manchester United, certainly. It's, it's an interesting comparison to how well it was going at the start of the season for, for United. Remember that, that game against Swansea where they scored yeah. three goals late on and, and Pogba was firing, Lukaku was scoring every game, mm. Martial was coming off the bench and tearing teams to shreds in the last ten minutes. It's it's The results have been largely the same, but the, the atmosphere and the performances haven't been as good since. Mm. Uh, yeah, w- one final game we've got to mention, and I was reading a great article about this uh, earlier today about West Brom and how it's gone so badly at West Brom. And the reason, uh, I can't recall the author, uh, sorry, I can't, but he was basically saying that um, the reason it's gone so badly for West Brom is because they had a period of success and then didn't know what to do with it. If they finished 15th last year instead of 10th, they might have had a better season this year. But there's a lot of players there that thought that they had kind of reached where they were going to go. They then brought in a whole bunch of central midfielders. Well, you don't need to buy a Krikoviak and Barry in the same summer when you've already got Claudio Jakob and Jake Livermore. They had a bad summer. Uh, it seems Pulis went without Gokwan Lai, the owner's approval. They've then sacked the chief exec because of what happened with Tony Pulis. Alan Pardew should have gone weeks and weeks ago. It was obviously a bad fit. They've kept him in. The rumour that, that I've heard a few times now about they just want to sell the club so they keep him pards so they don't have to make that decision. They can get rid of it all in the summer. I mean, how it's gone from the beacon of stability to the disaster that is incredible. And it's Burnley this weekend. You know, Burnley were outplayed by West Ham for an hour. They sh- they sh- yep. they, that was never a 3-0 win on another day well, last but, time out. No, but what Burnley have done this season is they've managed to do the exact opposite of last season. They could not win away from home <laughs> yes. for love nor money last that? season. That's so weird. Yeah. And this season, they've won almost 50% of their points away from home. Crazy. They, they've conceded hardly any goals away from home, only against the top teams, really. So against Man City, Man United or Chelsea, against all the other the other teams, they've barely conceded a goal. Mm. And it's... It's it's an whoever whoever West Brom play at the moment. It's going to be difficult for them, yeah. but it's going to be difficult against Burnley. They're done. When when can they go down? I worked this out the other day. They've got twenty points now. Thirty is where West Ham are. Uh, they've got seven games to go, which is what twenty one points to to play for. So it's about five games from now they could go down. If they lose the next four, and West Ham win three of those, they could go down in about three weeks. Does that sound about right? Yeah. They potentially could be gone. <laughs> You've lost me. quick maths. Yeah. Uh, they potentially could be gone in about four games' time. I think if for West Brom at this point, uh, and, and West Ham have been in this position, uh, and I'm sure Watford have had their struggles as well down the years, you just want to make sure you're not gone with weeks to go. Uh, that, is a, that is actually quite an important well, thing. Well, I don't know, though, really. I suppose... See, the backdrop of the ownership It was better going troubles. down last day than it was going down when they went down to Avram 
with four games to go or three games to go or something. But I, I think if you look at it another way, you want to, if your fate is going to be sealed, do it now. And you can plan for next season. Mm. Maybe you could, maybe Pardew could leave or the owners could do something. I don't know. There's there's a lot of things going on there and it's not a good situation. And it, ultimately, the, the people that lose out are the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave, thanks a lot. Good to see you again. Great to be back on the preview show. Another show next week. We're at the business end of the season now. Every result matters. Make sure you're with us next week for another Premier League preview show. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.